0: 4, step 3, but you will begin to see what it is when I tell you that these two lines represent chopsticks, add lines to change the drawing to step 5. What is it? Rice? Yes, it is rice, and we will label it in this way. Add the letters to change the drawing to step 5. And now, having found out what the man eats, let us see if we can find out who the island remove the sheet from the drawing board, hold it up and turn it over. Exposing figure 38 to the audience, with the attention thus centered upon your work, the boys and girls will listen with eagerness to whatever else you may have for them. And so, I tell you of another thing that we can do. Listen, tell me what a boy thinks about, and I will tell you what kind of a man he will grow up to be. The man who swears, thought of bad things and used bad words when he was a boy. The man who was a thief thought about dishonest things when he was a boy. The man who is happy and who finds it his delight to do good, form the habit of thinking and doing good things when he was a boy. The man who loves his work learned to like to work when he was a boy. And it is work that I want to speak about today. There is no place in the world for a lazy boy or girl. Nobody wants them. Boys who hate to work are the kind that loaf around pool rooms and pollute the air with vile cigarette smoke and language which bespeaks an empty mind and a corrupt heart. As Jesus is our great example in every way, He stands out strongly as our example of how a workman should delight in his employment. We should first find the thing which God intends that we shall do. For we are all fitted to do some things better than others. And we should then put forth our best efforts to learn to do that one thing as well as we can. We must center our thoughts upon the things we want to do. Life will then become a delight. Because the world is always crying for workers who know how to do their work. The other kind is always to be found but never wanted. The demand is for the ones who know how. It is a significant fact that the first recorded words of Jesus Christ are, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? This makes of Jesus a business boy. And it was God's work he began so soon. Gladstone, an inspiring example of the true workman, says, The thrift of time will repay an afterlife with usury of profit beyond your most sanguine dreams and the waste of it will make you dwindle like an intellectual and moral stature beyond your darkest reckoning. The happiest people in the world are those who are busy at something worthwhile, and the most miserable are those who are in idleness for lack of ambition or else are engaged in work which they themselves loathe because of its baseness. The doorway Easter death the resurrection of Christ the hope of the world in Easter thought. The lesson that death is but the doorway between the earthly life and the heavenly life of the believer. There is no new thought or theory concerning the death in Christ. The most profound thinkers of the ages consider death as the entrance to a future life. The illustration here presented has been employed in various forms, but is given with the hope that it may, that Easter, help someone to a clearer conception of the reward which awaits the faithful. The talk, James Russell Lowell, dwelling upon the darkness of the cloud of sorrow which death brings into the home, wrote, Consul, if you will, I can bear it tees at whelm and alms of breath, but not all the preaching since Adam has made death other than death. How true! And God intended it should be so. Surely, it is his desire that we should love to live in the earth which he has given us. Surely, it is his desire that we should love those who are about us, and that we should mourn when the earthly parting comes. And yet, it is impossible, as Jonathan Swift has said, that anything so natural so necessary and so universal as death should ever have been designed by providence as an evil to mankind, with this thought, we may lift our faces once more, and as we dry our tears, forget the problems, the sorrows and the triumphs of earth as we ask ourselves the question, what shall we be in the coming ages, compared with this question, all others sink into insignificance, science, discovery, commercial achievement, social problems, the rise and fall of nations all come to us and claim attention, but we brush them aside as we repeat, with passionate earnestness, what shall we be we, ourselves in the coming time, no matter how long we ask the question, no matter how earnestly we seek the solution, we shall not be satisfied with an answer, for God has not intended that we should know, the apostle John, whom Jesus loved, admits that it doth not yet appear what we shall be, does it mean, then, that we should look ahead? and see nothing before us but the grave the end of all, draw the grave, the headstone, and the word, death, with black, completing figure 39, perhaps the disciples, their hearts bowed down with grief and disappointment, held this thought as they saw the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea sealed upon the body of their beloved master, but three days pass, and lo, all is changed, the stone is rolled away and Christ has risen, how the message spreads, He is with them once again, and blessed days they are, but it is not for long, for heaven receives him from their sight, clearly, then, came to them again his words, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am ye may be also, what, they, too, yes, for did he not say, also, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in which all that are in their graves shall hear his voice and come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life. Today, there comes to us anew the revelation of the truth which came to the disciples on that wonderful resurrection morn. True. It may be that our pathway may lead more quickly than we think to this place which we call the grave. Draw pathway to the grave. True. There is a wall between human vision and the mysterious beyond. Draw the wall. But true. Also. And gloriously true. Is it that the grave opens to us the mysteries beyond the wall? Draw a line to change headstone to door while the pathway leads to a lot, We can only suggest it here, with a few feeble lines, draw distant city, in red, using orange for rays of light, add the word, life, completing figure 40, someone has said that the night of life is the dawn of peace, Browning says that you never know what life means till you die, another has said, the dead are glad in heaven, the living tease that weep, and all, Though they point to the pathway beyond the wall as that toward which we should push forward, are firm in the knowledge that the earthly pathway of peace and love is more essential than this, for without it we cannot reach the other, there is but one way to get ready for immortality, says Van Dyke, and that is to love this life, and live it as bravely and cheerfully and faithfully as we can, and I know it is our prayer that we may do this in the fullness of the meaning of the words, the puzzle picture God's love nature when we have solved it. Let us learn to find God in all his works of nature. The lesson that we shall find the loving presence of God everywhere in nature. If we but seek him. This illustration, dealing with a popular pastime, points to a great lesson. The fact that God is to be found in all our natural surroundings. If we but seek for him in the same manner that we endeavor to find the unseen in other ways. The talk. How many of the boys and girls are fond of puzzle pictures? Hold up your hands. Ah, I thought so. I believe nearly everyone likes puzzles, we are attracted to many things which possess an element of mystery. So I am going to draw a little puzzle landscape today and see if we can get a lesson from it. Draw the landscape, naming the objects as you complete them the tree, the land, the water, the distant foliage, and so on. Finishing figure 41, this completes the drawing for the entire talk. Here is the story, a farmer, living near this spot, came down to the shore of the lake and tied his boat from its fastening, and rowed out onto the lake to fish. With the approach of dinner time, the farmer's son came down to the shore to call his father to dinner. It seems that the father had rowed so far away that he could not hear the lad's voice. So the boy is still waiting here for him. Can you see the boy? Ah, uh, yes. Here he island. and remove the sheet from the drawing board, reverse it, and hold it up for the inspection of the school. Figure 42 After all have discovered the face of the boy, do not return the sheet to the drawing board, but lay it on the floor or elsewhere out of sight, as it has served its purpose and should not be allowed to detract from the attention needed for the remainder of the talk. Yes, it is interesting to study puzzle pictures to discover in them the persons and objects which we may not see at the beginning, but I wonder how many of us do a similar thing when we see the real woods, the real lake and the real flowers, as in the picture. The boy's face was made by the outline of the tree and the shrubbery, and the hair was shown by the shading of the grass. So also may we find great hidden truths in nature all about us. The poet Bryant, in Thanatopsis says that, to him, who in the love of nature holds communion with her visible forms she speaks a various language, and Shakespeare tells of finding tongues in trees, books in running brooks, sermons in stones, and good in everything. Greatest of all is the fact that God is there, every tree. Every bush, every blade of grass, every flower, speaks of his presence of his love and care for us. Dr. Van Dyke, in many beautiful passages pleads with us to turn our thoughts from the things which make us unhappy the wild rush for fame and fortune, for the attainment of that which disappoints and discourages to the quietness expressed by nature. In his book, The Ruling Passion, we find this beautiful sentiment, it is the part of wisdom to spend little of your time upon the things that vex and anger you and much of your time upon the things that bring you quietness and confidence and good cheer. A friend made is better than an enemy punished. There is more God in the peaceful beauty of this little wood violet than in all the angry disputation of the sex. We are nearer heaven when we listen to the birds than when we quarrel with our fellow men. I am sure that none can enter into the spirit of Christ, his evangel, save those who willingly follow his invitation when he says, Come ye yourselves apart in a lonely place and rest a while. It is a most beautiful thought. Let us ponder it in our hearts. Let us seek to find God and His goodness to us in everything that He has placed about us. Many a man who says he has not found God in nature has failed to see the blessings which have come to him which are His every moment of his life. The fruit, the flowers, the grains, everything that supplies Him with the necessities of life and earthly happiness come from the hand of God. Let us feel that all nature is a sort of puzzle picture. And that by looking, 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 we can find God in everything, and in finding him, let us learn from nature the lessons of humility, of sacrifice, of joy and good cheer, for it is for this that God has given us these blessings, it is only when we thus seek him that we may look through nature up to nature's God, the heart of the trouble temperance Day, sobriety a temperance talk in acrostic one great evil power beware, the lesson that the deadly drink evil appears to its victims in the most alluring and deceptive form. The following talk necessitates the use of lettering only, but it affords an opportunity for the audience to take a part, especially if the company of hearers is made up largely of children. The climax is not to be anticipated, and the effect cannot be other than lasting. The talk may be varied to suit local conditions, specific incidents make the best impressions. It is suggested that you watch your newspapers for a period preceding the talk and make clippings of incidents to fit the points of the first seven paragraphs. It is well to ask the children to repeat each word as it is placed on the drawing paper, the talk. The thing I am going to speak about today is not a pleasant one. The fact is that nothing good can be said about it, for it deals with sorrow and death. You may wonder, then, why we do not speak of something bright and happy, and I answer that if you learn the lesson about this thing of sorrow and death, your lives will escape its influence and you will be many more times likely to be happy, and if you do not learn the lesson you may suffer distress and anguish all the years of your later life. This thing is known as a great evil power. Sometimes we hear of it coming into the home and making a brute out of a loving husband. Where there was happiness and joy there is now sorrow and despair. Place the word sorrow on the drawing paper. When adding the succeeding words, be sure to place them exactly as indicated in figure 43. Again. This evil power creeps into a home and fastens itself upon a young man who had before him every promise of a bright, successful life. So relentless is it that the young man, in despair, takes his own life. Add the word death. Again, we see a man, successful in business, with no seeming obstacle in the way of greater achievement. When, one day, we find his doors are closed, this evil power has come upon him and he is a bankrupt and a failure. Add the word failure. Again, we hear of a man who has been a leader among men a brilliant lawyer, a keen thinker taken from his place and confined in a hospital for the insane, the same evil power has done this, add the word insanity, again, we know of a young man who was strong and robust, a splendid specimen of physical manhood, now he has lost his health and strength, the same evil power has come upon him and has placed him on a bed of sickness from which he cannot rise, add the word sickness, again. How often do we hear that a man, respected and honored, has in a moment of passion, taken the life of another man, just because this evil power came in and caused him to do it. Add the word murder. But more common than all the other terrible things which this great evil power does is the bringing of wretchedness and want to the wives and the children of the men who are its victims. These innocent ones suffer for the common comforts of life, food and clothing. This we call poverty. Add the word poverty this completes figure 43. Many more words could be added to this list, representing the misfortunes which come to the victims of this great evil power. In every instance it deceived its victims into believing it was harmless that in accepting it there was no danger or risk. What is this great evil power? With red chalk draw the heavy line, completing figure 44, to bring out the word whiskey. Now, boys and girls, consider this not as a puzzle drawing. It represents a truth almost as old as the world, concerning strong drink. The Bible cries out, Beware, remember that every drunkard believed he could taste liquor and then leave it alone if he wished. You, in your happy homes, may think you are safe from it. Beware, someday, the temptation will come to you, someone will test you. Beware, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath gabbling. Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. Beware. Be not one of these. Remember let us keep our minds on the pure. Be upright. Looking ever to Jesus. Who is our strength and who will keep us from the power of this evil thing. Then shalt thou walk in thy way securely. And thy foot shall not stumble. If Washington live today Washington's birthday character the principles which underlie success are the same at all times. The lesson that true success will attend those who found their lives on the principles which govern the life of Washington. Properly handled, the illustration designed for the following talk will prove a revelation to a young and old. The application fits the illustration so well that the talk should prove of absorbing interest and lasting impressiveness. The talk. Before beginning the talk, make the following preparations very carefully. Attach several thicknesses of your drawing paper to your board leaving the outer sheet free at the bottom by tacking at the top only. Next, with a sharp pen knife, cut a hole in the outer sheet, indicated by the dotted lines in figure 45, and throw away the piece which has been cut out. The object of this preparation is this. When you draw the portrait of Washington, represented in figure 45, a portion of your drawing will appear on the outer sheet and part of it the face on the next sheet beneath. If your preparations have been well made, the outer sheet will lie flat against the one beneath, and the audience will not see the whole until the proper time comes. I am going to draw first an outline portrait of George Washington, copied from the profile crayon sketch of St. Maman, draw figure 45, complete, being careful, in moving the crayon from one sheet to the other, not to tear the outer sheet. This view shows plainly the style of and military clothing of a gentleman of the revolutionary days, and. As we look at it we note what a difference there is between this and the dress of the men of today. Do we also feel that there is a great difference between the men of colonial days and the present time the same difference in character that there is in dress? If this thought has come to us, we have also asked ourselves, perhaps, the strange question, what kind of a man would George Washington be if he were living at the present time? Of course, if he had not performed his great work in helping to shape the destiny of our nation it is probable that America would have had a vastly different history. We will assume, however, that Washington were a product of the present day and that the present conditions prevailed. What, then, would Washington be like? How would he act? What would he do? Perhaps we can best transplant him to our day by dressing him in the clothing of the man of the present. Slowly fold back the outer sheet. So the audience may see that you have already drawn on the undersheet a portion of the second scene, the most important part. In fact, as you continue the talk, add lines to complete figure 46. In the first place, Washington, with his abundance of natural hair, would not wear a wig just for style. So we will draw his head as we think it would appear naturally. Nor would he wear the colonial style of clothing. So we will substitute the coat, collar and tie of an American gentleman of today. And here we have Washington as he would look if he lived in our own time. I do not believe Washington would be a military leader in this latter day. He was essentially a man of peace. And everywhere in his writings we find expressed a longing to return after the strife of battle and the weary days in the presidential chair, to his quiet, beloved Mount Vernon, to carry on his extensive private business and enjoy his friends and the sweets of home life. But we cannot doubt that he would be a great leader in the struggle for right against wrong in every form. From his childhood, he loved truth and honesty. He was a deep and careful student. He worked hard at his duties as a surveyor of the wilderness and then came the call from Governor Dinwiddie to carry a message to the French over hundreds of miles of unknown land. In the dead of winter, it was the most perilous undertaking ever entrusted to any man in the new land of America up to that time. But he met the task manfully. It was such victories as these in his youth that made him the father of his country. It is the meeting of our own problems in the same spirit that means our own success in life. If Washington lived today, his career would be vastly different from what it was. Yet he would have made his place, and the world would have been eminently better for his work. Let us study to apply to our own lives the principles which made Washington truly great. In closing, restore the outer sheet to its first position, thus presenting the original portrait it may be necessary to fasten it down with a thumbtack. Evolution of the Judd Temperance Day Slavery While strong drink makes poverty and rags, the pure life brings earthly prosperity. The lesson that intemperance is the chief cause of the world's poverty and misery. This talk deals especially with the point that the use of strong drink consumes the income of the wage earner, and fits him for his work, and brings suffering and want to himself and those dependent upon him. The talk. It is a common belief that slavery was wiped out of America by the Emancipation Proclamation of President Lincoln, sustained by the victory of the Union armies in the War of the Rebellion. And so it was as far as the Negro is concerned, but there is in America today another form of slavery which no clash of arms can eradicate. And this is the picture of the slaveholder, draw figure 47 complete. The little brown jug, which we use as a type of the saloon power, holds millions of men and boys in its grasp consuming their brains, their bodies, and their money, and bringing misery and hopelessness to them and to those who love them. From Europe comes many a cry of anguish, showing that the same powerful slaveholder holds sway across the ocean. Listen to the words of the great English statesman, Joseph Chamberlain, if there is in this whole liquor business any single encouraging feature. He says, it is to be found in the gathering impatience of the people at the burden which they are bound to bear and their growing indignation and sense of shame and disgrace which this imposes upon them. The fiery serpent of drink is destroying our people, and now they are waiting with longing eyes the uplifting of the remedy. Again, from the island of Madagascar, off the east coast of Africa, we hear the queen of that island declaring herself in bitterness of spirit. In these words, I cannot consent, as your queen, to take revenue from the sale of liquor, which destroys the souls and bodies of my people, the Han. Carol D. Wright, while United States Commissioner of Labor, tells, from observation, of the slavery of strong drink in his own country and in Europe, he says, I have looked into a thousand homes of the working people of Europe, I do not know how many in this country. In every case, so far as my observation goes, drunkenness was at the bottom of the misery, and not the industrial system or the industrial surroundings of the men and their families. And so the testimony goes on. It is the same everywhere. There is no need of more proof that strong drink is the world's greatest curse. To every one of you boys, I am going to say that success in life cannot come to you in its fullness if you ever allow yourselves to get this deadly habit. Let it not break into the abode of your soul and by this I mean your own bodies and make you depraved captives for life. The first taste of strong drink, even though it may seem to be a very little thing, may mean that you will become banished from God forever. Remember, boys that Satan is deceitful, he never tells you the truth, he is always trying to juggle you with his jug and to make you believe that black is white and wrong is right, and even that sorrow is joy and a good time, it is against those who would tempt you that Jesus said, and fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body, such a destroyer a strong drink, as the years go by, you will find that you need all your energy your brains, and your physical strength to enable you to meet the problems of life. You will find that your later years will be filled with battles, the defeats will be bitter, the victory sweet. One of the necessary victories is the successful earning of a living. Money is a splendid thing. It is the love of it and the wrong use of it that is the root of all evil. In the later years, if you are a slave to strong drink, you may recall with bitterness the warning of the psalmist who declares that the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. But true prosperity comes most surely when the life is pure. I know you are resolved that yours shall be such lives, so we shall change the drawing to indicate something more acceptable to the life that well deserves a reward for right living. Add lines to complete figure 48. Paul pictures to us the successful man when he uses these words, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The cigarette face temptation evil habits a unique presentation of a truth important to every child and youth. The lesson that indulgence in injurious habits undermines the moral and physical structure and is a barrier to true success. The chalk talk here presented is certain to prove of enduring value in impressing upon young minds the truth of the deadly effects of the use of cigarettes. The talk may form a part of a program given on Temperance Day. As the cigarette habit and liquor drinking are very closely allied, the talk We are going to talk for a few minutes about our food. Of course, we all know that when we are very young children our food consists very largely of milk. And the physicians say that boys and girls should not be allowed to drink tea and coffee or to eat meat and other solid foods until they have reached a certain age when their bodies demand such food. But oftentimes we find that parents do not know about this or else they try to please their children, for they frequently allow them to eat and drink the forbidden things the result is that as they grow older, their bodies, having become accustomed to the foods which were too strong for them, demand still stronger food, so it island often, that a young man possesses a craving for a stimulant which is unnatural at his youthful age, and we find him turning to drinking and cigarette smoking, but this does not satisfy the hungering and thirsting for stronger and more exciting things. Many times the life of the young man is ruined in his mad search for something to meet the demands of his physical nature and he goes down to the grave of physical, mental and moral wreck. And now, with this thought before us, I want to speak for a few minutes particularly about cigarettes, and in this, also, I want to speak only to the girls, will every girl please listen and do as I ask, now, then, I am going to ask you to take your paper and pencils, if you have them and copy the picture that I shall draw, and, if you have it them, carry the picture with you in your mind so that you may use it when the occasion comes, here we go, whenever you see one of your boyfriends with a cigarette in his mouth, ask him if he ever saw the picture of the cigarette face, of course, he will say, no, then you will ask him to spell cigarettes for you, very slowly, and as he pronounces the letters, you put them down, just like I shall do, now, watch, and now, we will draw the cigarette itself step 5, and finish the picture by drawing the encircling smoke, step 6, completing the final scene, is it a true portrait, go and ask any physician, go and ask the warden of any insane asylum, go and ask many a heartbroken mother, does cigarette smoking make criminals out of boys, magistrate Leroy B. Crane, of New York City, says that 300 boys were brought before him, charged with crimes, all but five of them were cigarette smokers, and that report ought to cure forever every boy in this town of the expensive curse. Does cigarette smoking make failures out of boys? Once, when he was asked about it, the Lady H. Harriman, one of the greatest railroad managers in the history of America, said that railroads might as well go to a lunatic asylums for their employees as to hire cigarette smokers. Yet some boys I know haven't a bit more sense than to smoke them. Girls, isn't it a penny? Let us remember that habit is the very foundation of our lives. Everything that we do repeatedly becomes easier for us to do each succeeding day. This would be a most discouraging condition if it applied only to bad habits. But, thanks be to God, the rule applies equally well to good habits. Diligence, economy, perseverance, gentleness, pure thoughts may all become the governing habits of our lives if we will but center our attention upon them repeatedly and crowd out the evil tendencies. We are so constituted that we must form habits. We cannot think or say or feel anything without leaving an effect which will influence every succeeding thought or action or feeling. Let us, therefore, look carefully to the forming of our own habits and to helping others form theirs. Christopher Columbus prayer faith Although he died believing his mission had failed, his prayer was more than answered. The lesson that, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The life of Christopher Columbus contains much to inspire the present-day youth. In studying it, however, one should always take into account the prevailing superstitions, darkened by the bigotry of the times. But above and beyond all this shown the steadfast belief of Columbus that his every act was directed by God. The talk is sweet to all ages, for the mere mention of the name of Columbus will excite the interest of young and old. The talk, every one of us knows that Columbus discovered America but unless we have studied the life of this wonderful man we do not know of the great difficulties and hardships he endured before he was able to do it. We know that Ferdinand and Isabella, rulers of Spain, furnished him with the ships with which he came to the new land, but we should also know that for years and years he worked and struggled through sickening discouragement until he finally succeeded in procuring the support of the Spanish monarchs. We know that he found a great continent, and that his name is honored above all others of his time. But we should also know that he himself never knew that he was the discoverer of a new land, and that he died a broken heart, ridiculed man whose mission had failed miserably. And what was that mission? What was Columbus trying to do when he discovered America? He was simply trying to find a short way to reach India. Ferdinand and Isabella provided him with the ships.